Walkim, the world's leading manufacturer and innovator of water treatment controllers and metering pumps, has just released Walkim Fluent. Fluent, a cloud-based software tool for more easily managing your water treatment services. Fluent provides streamlined remote monitoring and control, data management, and alarm capabilities, including escalating notifications. Save time and stress by learning more about Fluent. You're sure to love it, and so will your customers. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Walkim to find out more. Walkim, turning real water treatment problems into solutions for you and your customers. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. Trace Blackmore here, the host of your favorite water treatment podcast, Scaling Up H2O. Of course, where we learn something new that will not only help us avoid scaling our customer systems up, but help us in maybe another area in life. Folks, we learned so much on this podcast. I know we're very technical sometimes to teach something about industrial water treatment, but then we're also people. We have to figure out what are some things that we can learn so we can be a more productive, a more effective, and let's face it, just a happier person. And it's my hope that I have done that with all the different guests that I have brought on over the almost four years that this podcast has been on. And I hope that you see a theme. If we get better as a person, we're going to roll that into our professional life. If we get better in our professional life, hopefully we are going to improve the industry. And that's why you always hear me say, a rising tide raises all ships. It really does. When you look out how you can help yourself, how you can help other people, it is amazing how things can change. Well, today we're going to be talking to an individual that I met from my good friend and coach, Tim Fulton. As you know, I spoke at Tim Fulton's Small Business Matters Conference a few years ago. That was episode 92. Halfway through this year, somebody wrote in and asked me what my favorite episode I've done so far was. And that was very hard for me to pick. But what I did pick was episode 92 because that was my complete reflection of me getting invited to this conference, preparing for the conference, delivering the speech at the conference and everything that happened after. And just sharing that experience on this podcast made that one of my favorites that I ever did. So if you wanna hear that, that's episode 92. But at that conference, I met who we are going to talk to today. His name is John Fenton. And he was the speaker that was right before I was going on stage. And folks, I think I shared during this episode, I normally don't get nervous when I speak in public because I do it so much. But because this was such a different format, I was a little bit nervous. So uh, I think I tell John in the interview that I probably didn't hear everything in his speech but I did hear some things that I actually used when I went on stage just a few minutes after. Well, since that time, John and I have spoken a couple times. We've gone to lunch. He is just a phenomenal person, and I knew that you would enjoy hearing from John on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. So if you will, please welcome my guest today, John Fenton. My lab partner today is John Fenton. John, thank you so much for coming into the studio. I have been looking so forward to this interview. How are you today? I'm great, Trace. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Well, awesome. Well, uh, I want to let the Scaling Up audience know that you and I did not know each other until about a year ago, and we both met through the courtesy of Tim Fulton and his Small Business Matters Conference. You were, you were both speakers there and got to meet each other there. And uh, Well, not only were we both speakers, but I had uh, the privilege of following you. So you really set this high bar, and then I had to come in and, and do what I did. 
You so did, thanks for that pressure. Well, my yeah, my, my pleasure. And you, you did a great job. I mean, you're very you had a great delivery. And it was very it flowed very easily, and it was very comfortable, and you used great humor, had great slides. So you did a great job. So that was uh, that was a great experience. I really enjoy speaking, and and you and I speaking like this, it, it didn't, doesn't bother me in the least. But I don't mind telling you that doing that TED Talk style format, only having 15 minutes, um, doing it in, in that presentation style, I might have looked calm. I don't know what I look like, but I was anything but calm. And the thing I remember most was when you were speaking, and we're going to talk about this, but you're, you're a Tai Chi person, mm -hmm. and you shared some tips with the audience. And I don't know if I told you this, but I was in the ready room, and I was doing exactly what you were telling the audience to do, and it really did center me. I was like, you know what? I, I feel better about this. I'm going to go out here and do this thing. It's great. I actually talk about um, centering yourself, centering the leadership from the center, which is a double entendre, double entendre of, of actually I played center in college, right? So I had a different perspective of what was happening during a game, but also centering ourselves and being the best, best leaders we can be and the be really the best human beings we can be. And, and that's essentially what you're doing now. You're coaching people to be better human beings. And I love the, the tagline that you gave me as we were talking earlier, the CEO sensei. That's just cool. Thank you. I, it means a lot to me. I don't know if it means anything to a lot of other people, but to me, it really is about my core essence, about just delivering value to my, my clients. Most of my clients are CEOs, executives, entrepreneurs, and leaders who really just want to have more in their life, enjoy more of their success. And Make sure they're on path to really have this, you know, enjoy the success that they have and leave a legacy and that sort of thing. And I just, I just love that being able to connect with those people in that way. Or also their teams. I work with their executive teams. I've done retreats and workshops and keynote speeches and all that stuff. And when I when I discovered someone mentioned to me, well, I think you're like you're like the CEO whisperer. And I said, well, you know, Tony Robbins uses that. Mm -hmm. And so I said. And I thought about it for a bit and I came up with, I started doing some research and I came up with CEO Sensei. And to me, it just landed for me as something that really speaks to who I am. I love it. I think it's great. So if you have not done a trademark on it, you, that, that's yours. You need to go out there and <laughs> I do that. I need to get on that. <laughs> Absolutely. John, I can't wait to talk about what you said at Small Business Matters, because that, that's what I want to talk about here today. Uh, but before we get there, do you mind telling the Scaling Up Nation a little about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you, Trace. Um, I've had a lot of great successes in my life. I'm a retired, I was a managing partner at one of the top CPA firms in the world, managing partner in two different offices. So I worked my way up the ranks as a CPA and a managing partner and so I worked a lot with CEOs and leaders in business for many, many years, a lot of different industries. And um, before that, I was a collegiate athlete. I actually got to play at a very high level, played for the University of Miami Hurricanes and Jim Kelly, Mark Richt, a lot of um, O.J. Anderson, great NFL players, you know, Hall of Famers, um, and um, went to the University of Miami on a scholarship. And I keep backing up a little bit before that. I was not an athlete before I got to high school. I was not involved in any kind of athletics, really. I started to touch on it in, in junior high. I share a little bit of my story in my book, The Five-Minute Mastery, which I wrote. It was an, an Amazon uh, bestseller, number one new release in 2018. In three categories. In three different best, categories, yeah. that's right. And so I played football in high school. I played a lot of different sports in high school, and, and I um, just excelled in it. I was highly recruited and had plenty of universities recruiting me. And I chose to stay closer to home. I grew up in South Florida and uh, went to the University of Miami, played center. Um, and uh, so I tell people, if they see a picture of Jim Kelly with a University of Miami uniform, chances are that's my rear end in the picture. <laughs> got my accounting degree, my business degree, and my MBA there. Got married, started a family, living the American dream, right? And got into, into practice of public accounting and consulting and uh, really thrived in that and grew. I was in four different offices of the firm I was with, the last office in Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. And we just, we grew the practice exponentially. I mean, we had transformed the business, doubled our size in less than five years and really changed the face of our practice um, with our clients and the people that worked for us and everything. And I was always trying to lead, be the best leader I could be. Um, and along the way, um, I discovered Tai Chi and meditation, which really helped ground me and really helped me to be even more successful. 
you know, I carried a, my book of business as a partner. I was still actively as a partner and had clients to serve. And, and uh, you know, I was carrying that load, also managing the business and responsible for the whole, responsible for the whole team uh, to make sure we were on the right path and doing the right things. We were, we were one of the top 10 offices in the firm and had great success. But with that success also came a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And uh, there was one point, I share a bit about this in my book, where, you know, I'd come home late at night. And my wife would meet us at the, meet me in the, she met me in the driveway one time. My wife was always very supportive, very loving, very caring. And she met me in the driveway and she was pounding her fist on my car. And I won't do it here for your listeners. <laughs> pounding her fist on my car. Like, why aren't you ever home? Why aren't you ever home? So I was missing out a lot in our life. And um, had a, an event that happened uh, while I was working, uh, had a stress test and my heart was racing really fast and they stopped the test and rushed me to a hospital and brought me into the heart catheterization lab, into the operating room, heart catheterization to see if there's any blockages or damage to my heart. And I hadn't, nothing, it was just beating really fast, tachycardia, they call it. And so I'm in the operating room and they, the doctors are doing the, the, the scope, the, the catheterization. And I can hear one of the cardiologists say, oh, pristine, so no blockages, and I passed out. I woke up a little while later in the hospital room, and there was my wife and my daughter. And it, it struck me. It struck me that you know, I wasn't worried about the business. I wasn't worried about the clients. I wasn't worried about profitability or the bottom line or sales or any of that stuff. I was really just focused on I wanted to be with my family, with my wife and daughter. And that was a wake-up call for me. And so I had been kind of toying with the idea of maybe taking early retirement, and I did. About it. Within that next year, I took early retirement to follow my path to where I'm at now. And so I've been, you know, collegiate athletic excellence. We played very high level. Um, and I got, I actually started three years and lettered four years, and that was really cool. And certainly my career in business, I have 40 plus years business experience and leadership experience and financial acumen. So I bring a lot to the table from all those experiences. And along the way, I was always aware of leadership or lack of leadership. I've seen both sides, right? I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of leadership. And it really just was something I was passionate about, about helping other leaders be the best they could be and to live their life by their design and to enjoy their success now. And so I began a path of being an executive coach and a leadership coach and trainer. And I, my path meandered a bit. I actually ran a yoga and tai chi center for a year and a half. Oh, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> and uh, I decided that's not what I wanted to do. I, I started the practice, had closed, and I, I was asked to reopen it. I did and stabilized it, brought back the members, and, it was, and they were able to sell it as a franchise. And they wanted me to keep doing that. And I said, you know, it's not for me. I just don't want to do that because I wanted to be out in a broader scale to more people to be more people, hence the reason why I'm here on your podcast, to reach more people with my message and my experience and all around leadership and just being the best leaders we can be. And so I had learned some great lessons. I had some great failures and some great successes along the way. And I think really, as you're probably aware, probably tell your listeners that failure is a great, it's feedback. It's the best teacher out there. <laughs> the best teacher. It is feedback. It's just information, right? So here I was, I, was, I wrote my book in 2018. It became a bestseller on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon, Five Minute Mastery. Um, and it was really based on my life experiences and different things that, that happened in my life and around leadership and team building, but also taking care of ourselves and focusing on something I call the five minute shift to ground ourselves and doing some of the practices you did for your speech. And I teach that to most of my clients, almost all my clients. And anyway, so I wrote that book and it was successful. The launch was successful. And about two months later, I had another incident happen. And that incident was, here I am, I'm living my life's dream, I'm in my zone of excellence. Dr. Gay Hendricks talks about this and other people talk about it, Dan Kennedy talks about it. I'm in my zone of excellence of just pushing beyond my, my self-limiting beliefs and being out there helping executives and leaders. And uh, I'm in a meeting with a client and all of a sudden I just pass out. This was December, 2018. And he nudged me a little bit to see if I, he thought I was joking. I didn't move. He ran and got help. They brought in the facility director, a fitness director, and he got into the room, saw it was non-responsive. They got me on the floor, ripped open my shirt, and began administering CPR. And this gentleman's name is Scott, and he worked on me for about 25 minutes. During that 25-minute period, they brought in the defibrillator, the AED machine that was on site. And that machine went off about five times during that 25-minute period to revive my heart. My heart had just stopped. 
and I was unconscious. And about halfway through all this, the EMT showed up. The first nine minutes when someone has a heart attack, I didn't have a heart attack, but someone's heart stops, the first nine minutes are most critical. I kind of skipped the heart attack, which I'll mention in a moment. And the first nine minutes are most critical to get circulation to the brain. And what happened was I wasn't getting oxygen to my brain, and so I passed out. My heart stopped beating. It just so happened I was in that building at that time and that day, and I normally would not be meeting in that facility. It's out where I live. And it's a multi-purpose facility. And in another part of the building, my wife was at a luncheon with the holiday luncheon with the women's club. So she was brought in. So she witnessed everything. She was there for the whole event. They got me to a sinus rhythm. Scott did not give up on me. Got me to a hospital, St. Mary's in Athens. And um, I was put into a hyperthermic coma. And I woke up about three days later in ICU. And I said, what the heck happened? And sitting there were my wife and my daughter at my bedside. About three weeks later, I went to, back to see Scott to, to acknowledge him for not giving up on me. And Scott said, you know, John, I, I've done this over 100 times. I've administered this CPR. I know what I'm doing. And I could tell you were fighting to get your breath back. I could tell you're getting good circulation. And so I wasn't going to give up on you until you got to a sinus rhythm. And he said, oh, by the way, the only person I've never broken their ribs. <laughs> now, I tell you, I was super sore, super sore for about two months. But that's okay. That was an easy price to pray. And so that's, that happened to me and it, you know, people asked, did you see a white light or anything like that? And, and no, I didn't. I can't really describe what I was experiencing other than I felt like it was almost like you're in a dream and you're sleeping, and you're trying to get your breath. And that's what Scott sensed that. And since then, for obvious reasons, Scott and I are good friends. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just felt that I'm here for a purpose. I have a purpose in life that this message is even more significant now, even though I wrote about it in a book two years ago, it's even more significant now. It really brings home the message of enjoy your success now. You know, I, I love that. And, you know, we're all so focused on getting goals achieved. And I'm very goal-oriented, yeah. And, and the thing I love about your story is it's, it's not that we don't have goals, but we have to be aligned to get to the right place. That's a really good point. So I'm very, I was very good at, so you know, college athlete, right? Offensive lineman. So I was very good in the red zone. Like I could see the end zone. Like I'm like, I played my best in, the, in those right. last 20 yards, right? And so I, I, I could have like blinders on, right? And just kind of zone in on, well, we got to get to the end zone and kind of forget about everything else, right? The reality is, you know, as human beings, our bodies are always giving us information and we have to be in tune with our bodies. What's going on? I wasn't in tune with my body. I was so focused on all the goals that I'd set up. And also, I think, too, that some of the things I was doing, kind of falling back on past experiences or past practices, which these things kind of get ingrained in our habits, right? And it's easy to fall back into those habits. But I wasn't listening to my body, and I wasn't really aligned, as you said. I wasn't aligned with my real purpose. And so basically, December 2018, my body, in a very pronounced way, said, stop. Stop what you're doing. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I can't think of a bigger wake-up call. Body saying, "Hey, we're we need to change things." So, how are things different now? Well, I, it's a great question, right? And I've, I've really thought about this a lot. So I made my number one goal, um, and I'm a big follower of Jack Canfield, the Success Principles. I use that. They call it the White Bible. Some people call it that, and I use that with most of my clients. And I follow that religiously, and I'm actually being in the process of being certified as a trainer under Jack Canfield's methods. Really, it was about focusing on what is my big goal for 2019. And my number one goal, my breakthrough goal, as I call it, was to recover my heart health. So I really focused on that. So what did I do? I made sure I got lots of rest. Sleep is so important. It's so underrated. I had a client once tell me, um, she said, she goes, you know, as we get older, we don't need that much sleep. I'm going to call BS because you need more sleep and at least seven to nine hours, right? And everybody's, every day is a little different, but at least seven to nine hours because your body needs rest. Your brain demands and requires that you have downtime. And there's different ways to do that. I love naps. <laughs> naps are a great thing. My wife, my wife thinks naps mean, means I'm weak. Not true. <laughs> I used to, I took naps when I was an athlete in between practices and class and practices and stuff. So naps are really useful. I'm not saying sleep all day, right? But take a nap when you need to. You can feel it in your body. I can feel it in the back of my head. So plenty of rest. 
Make sure you're hydrating well, you know, drinking enough water. And sometimes we forget about that. And you're certainly in the H2O, right? right it's right. all about water. And uh, really taking the pressure off of myself. So what I had to do is shift my mindset. And I'm so big on mindset. And when I look back at my past successes in life, I would set a goal. And I had a, I had a mindset, I'm going to achieve that goal. So I believed in myself that I could achieve that goal, even going all the way back to junior high school where I had no athletic experience at all. And I set a goal to win the President's Physical Fitness Award. And I was at the bottom of the bottom. I mean, I failed miserably all the tests the year before. I shared a little bit, a little bit about this story in my book as well. But it was a pivotal moment in my life because I chose to go for that goal. And when I did that, I chose to be different, to act differently, to take different actions. I began running near the front of the pack in phys ed at school. I practiced, we had an obstacle course, and I would practice every weekend on that obstacle course. And literally at the end of that obstacle course was a literally a green wall. And I, when, I first, when I first got to, to junior high school, I didn't know how to get over that wall, and I couldn't get over that wall. I didn't know how, and didn't have the confidence to do it, and didn't know how, and, but I kept practicing every weekend. My goal was to get over that wall and to win the President's Physical Fitness Award. And, you know, a lot of times, especially nowadays, we're all conditioned for, like, instant gratification. Right. If I, if I set a vision, I'm going to get it in a month or a week or a year, whatever. It took me almost two years to win that President's Physical Fitness Award. But I never doubted that I would get there. That, that experience in junior high as a 13 and 14-year-old made all the difference, set me on a trajectory of my life that enabled me later to be one of the top recruits in the state of Florida, Highly recruited, was one of the blue chip prospect. ESPN rankings didn't exist back then. Got a full scholarship, played at a very high level, earned a starting position, didn't give it up until I got hurt, and then earned it back again my last year. Because I just accepted that I'm going to do the work. The day in, it's, the, it's frequency and repetition. Frequency and repetition is so important in everything we do and the success habits, right? And I learned those lessons early on. But I didn't put pressure on myself to get to that goal. It wasn't like the world was going to end, but I was putting pressure on myself later in life. You know, in the business world, I've got to hit these numbers. i got to have this goal. i got to achieve this. You know, I thought when I have a book came out that I'd just be, blah, super success. There's still a lot of work to do, right? And so what I learned to do was to really step back. It's kind of funny because I teach all my clients to do this. Step back. What I say is steal five minutes. Take just five minutes in the day. I recommend in the morning and again in the evening. Focus on some breathing and just really connect, feel your body and just, and then think about, you know, focus on what are you grateful for? Mm-hmm. Gratitude is so important. So every day, it was really amazing when I went through this process of nearly dying. I mean, literally, clinically, I was dead for 20 something minutes. And what happened was in our community, the community rallied around and the family rallied around, right? And there's outpouring of love. And I believe in the power of prayer. And so there was an outpouring of love, and people were so, like, people couldn't believe what had happened, right? Because I'm pretty, generally, you look at me, I'm a pretty healthy guy. Sure. I'm not super, I'm, not over, I'm overweight, but not like I'm, you know, obese. And could lose, stand to lose 10 pounds, right? And um, always kind of ate well, and always exercised, and all that kind of stuff, and practiced Tai Chi and meditation almost every day. And, and people were really shocked by that. And it pulled our community together. And, uh, and so that outpouring of love, and so just stepping back and just appreciating that, right? Appreciating my wife, who's a, my, my wife, Vicki, is really my, she's the guard, my guardian angel. She's very strong. She was there for me every step of the way. She went, she was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, um, there every day. My daughter is the same way. She lives close by, and she was there as well. And just appreciating what I had in my life, right? And just finding a way to get through, just to survive it and to get through it. And the doctor said I beat the odds. I mean, I had a 5% chance of survival having gone through what I went through. And by May, I'd pretty much had a full recovery. Now I still see the doctor and I take medication and that. But just stepping back and appreciating more what I had in my life. And then really big epiphany for me from a business perspective and what I do now is, what I teach people, it's kind of funny, but to really believe in myself. Mm-hmm. And hence, that's how the term CEO sensei came up, was really just believing in who I am, that I have something to offer people one-on-one in their teams and their groups, 
And I've led three-day retreats with 30 executives, that kind of thing, or one-on-one or smaller groups and one-day workshops, keynote speeches. Which is being who I am and being connected with my true, my true self, if you will, and being that leader that I always knew I was and to be the leader and to be the leader for other leaders to help model for them and really bring to, to bear um, all the things that I've learned in 40 plus years. I mean, it's almost 50 years, really, since high school, right before in, in business. All those experiences, that's valuable, right? And all the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations. Right. But you know what? I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> well, something you said that I absolutely love, and you learned it at 13, was you had to choose to be different. And I guess when you think about it, the default of not doing that is staying the same. Right. And then the things that you were doing, your body said eventually, okay, well, buddy, you need to do things different. We're going to give you a wake-up call. I can't help but think there's so many listeners out there that can relate with what you're saying, but they haven't had that experience that you just shared with us. What advice do you have for somebody to start choosing to be different? How do you do that? When, when they're, and, and to go further, there's just so many demands on us to stay the same. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very comfortable to stay the same, right? If I go back to even when I was 13, someone made a comment. You know, sometimes people will make comments or you'll get some information, feedback, and it may not feel good, right? You may not agree with it. But if you listen to that feedback, somehow this, this, there was a phrase. So I'll tell you a little bit of the story. So we were a bunch of boys in phys ed, and we had platoons based on how we performed in the President's Physical Fitness Award the year before. The top of the class were the gold T-shirts. We had different colored T-shirts based on performance. At the very bottom of the class were white T-shirts, and that's where I was in the group of white T-shirt kids. And one of the boys in the gold T-shirt said to us boys in the white T-shirts, you're nothing but a bunch of cream puffs. Now, I love cream puffs. I love pastries, right? <laughs> in that moment, I looked around the other boys in the white T-shirt group, and it wasn't that I was any better than them, but I said, that term meant you're weak, mm-hmm, sure. you lack courage, whatever. Actually, cream puff is an is a antonym for courage. I looked it up recently. So you're not courageous. And so I looked around those boys, and I said, that's not, that's not me. That's not my essence, right? You boys in the gold T-shirts, you're really no better than I am. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I just, and I used to run way in the back of the pack and running, would make us run a mile to warm up, and I would complain and whine. And I just chose to do diff- be different because I had a goal, and that goal was to win that President's Physical Fitness Award to prove that I was just as worthy as anybody else. I mattered, right? And that really drove me. And I think in life, we get feedback from different sources. Sometimes it's a, just an innocuous comment. So be, being open to that feedback. And then Choosing, you know, where do you, where's your life at and where do you want to go in your life? So looking forward, go five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out, you're to retirement age. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? You know, sometimes we, in society, we get kind of in this treadmill and we get this mindset, this is the way it's supposed to work. Right. What I did, right? Go to college, get a degree, get married, have kids, work till retirement, retire. Well, what does retirement mean, Right. We're living longer as human beings. We have so much to give as human beings beyond age 60 or 62 or whatever. I'm not the type of person to just sit on a porch and play golf every day and drink cocktails. I do it maybe twice a week or three times a week, <laughs> but not every day. And I, I live at a great lake and golf community, so I have that availability. But I never see myself just sitting and not doing something meaningful. And not for it's meaningful for me. It helps me, obviously. But by helping others, I'm helping myself, right? And so having that sense of purpose. And sometimes we lose purpose. I've had clients that are very successful and they've got a great business and they get to like a certain age and they go, what am I doing this for? You know, I've lost my, I call it, lost my mojo, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it's just reconnecting with well, what's your purpose and why do you do what you do and what fuels you? What's the why? What's the why, right? And, and connect, reconnecting with that. Sometimes we lose track of that because we have all this material success and all these things, but that does that really fulfill you? The material things and the money and things that we make, they're evidence of the energy that you share and the energy you receive. I totally believe in energy. It's, it's real. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, quantum mechanics is all built around, you know, really trying to explain how energy works. And everything is energy. You break everything down, every atom, all the way down to nanoparticles, everything ends up being energy. And we exchange energy constantly, like we're doing today. 
And so money and material wealth is just a sign or evidence of I've given someone some value and I'm receiving value in the material form. That's great. But is that all you live for? You know, what do you, what's your real purpose in life? And, you know, I think some of the two most precious things we have in our lives are relationships and our time. So how do we use our time? So I, when I coach people, when I do speak, um, keynote speeches, I did that TED, that Ted talk format. Mm-hmm. My call to action was steal five minutes. I had an executive tell me, Oh, I can't find five. I cannot find five minutes in a day. I said, really? Let's do the math. That's five out of however many minutes that is, right? So it's, a real, it's less than 4.4% or something of a day. And so just taking the time to spend that five minutes to really just breathe, focus on your breathing, relax into your breathing, and focus on what you are grateful for. Over time, now that's a starting point, sure, right? I mean, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have gone on meditation tours and retreats, and I've done week-long Tai Chi training in Sedona and South Korea and other places, Colorado Rockies. I've literally been to the top of a mountain with the, the leader of, you know, this, uh, very, you know, I won't call him a guru, but this spiritual leader about meditating with this person, right? And I've done hour-long sitting meditation for an hour. You know, I've not done. I've not gone to a, a Buddhist temple or a, a, or an ashram to spend a whole month. Some people do that too, or a week. But it's just clearing your mind of all the clutter, and we get so much information. There's so much information coming at us. So we were talking earlier. I, I firmly believe, and I coach all my clients: information fasting. Right. Not all information is useful. Most information is not useful. So you have to be very selective about what information you listen to or, and absorb. And, you know, and that's hard because it's all around us. Absolutely. It's all around us, constant, 24-7, right? Back when I was growing up, you had three TV channels, maybe four, and they all shut down at midnight, right? And so it's just, what do I, what do I want to focus my energy on? And sometimes we get all caught up in all this information and we start wasting our energy and we lose connection with our body and our, you know, lose connection with our breathing. And all of a sudden, we end up with some significant health issues, or we lose track of why we do what we do. We lose our way. So, um, you know, I think just really focusing on your breathing, stealing five minutes, five in the morning, five in the evening, is the starting point to really creating the life that you really want to have and enjoying your life now. Now, I can't help but think uh, you probably got the same gift. Tim Fulton, after we spoke at his conference, he sent me a copy of the five minute journal. I'm assuming you got a copy as, as well as a gift. It sat on my desk for months. I didn't do a thing with it. And then I, I read a book and it talked about the significance of really appreciating what you have. And I started looking at that book and from that point on, I started doing it. And when I started looking at the things that I was grateful for, and what I could do to make things even better, which is what that book forces you to do in less than five minutes, I might add, my attitude started changing. My patience became more abundant. And I decided at that time that I wasn't going to listen to the news anymore, that I was going to choose where I got my news. And I didn't wake up with the news. I woke up with that book and I enjoyed it so much. Uh, last December, I started telling the audience about the five-minute journal, and so many people in the Scaling Up Nation have told me how much that has helped them. There's, there's just so much power in giving gratitude. Really, because it changes your mental state and also changes your vibration, right? And when you're in a state of gratitude, even though we have, some, we want to achieve. Like I'm a big believer in achieving more success. Not from a greed standpoint, but I'm driven to be the best that I can be and to make the biggest impact I can make in the world. So what that means is, but if I'm always trying to get that, so there's a thing called the law of attraction. Whatever I'm focused on that I don't have, I'm going to get more of what I don't have. Okay? Like follows like. That's very simple. Just like follows like. So if I, if I keep focusing on what I don't have, I'm going to have more of what I don't have or I don't want. Right? So when I'm in a state of gratitude, I'm appreciating everything that I have. It sets me up to accept even more gratitude and more good things as I strive to achieve my goals. You know, mindset, basically, it's, you know, what do you choose for your life? So a lot of people live in sort of a negative kind of mindset. They complain a lot. They blame others. They never take responsibility. 
Jack Canfield's one of his success principles, one of the first ones is accept, you know, take 100% responsibility. So if you're in a relationship, like people come together in a marriage, right? Really, both parties need to bring 100% to that relationship, not 50-50. Because 50-50 leaves a back door, right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing in all things in life. Bring 100% of you. Take 100% responsibility. It shifts your mindset. Not that you caused it, but how do you respond to whatever the event or whatever it is? That can change the outcome. So mindset is so important. And, and, And so there's different ways to achieve mindset, right? I think number one is connect with, you know, what's your passion and purpose in life with your business or whatever it is that you're passionate about. Connect with that and then take time to really very simply just focus on your breathing. It just starts with your breathing. You know, your body, like I said before, your body gives you a lot of information. The one function that you can control in your body is your breath. Everything else happens automatically. Your breathing happens automatically, but you can control it. By controlling your breathing, you're stimulating, so I'm going to give you a little science, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. So when you inhale, you want to inhale through your nose. That stimulates the sympathetic nervous system. So when you do that, you're bringing energy, oxygen and energy into your body. Um, you're also stimulating fight or flight, which is the sympathetic nervous system and you exhale through your mouth slowly, you're stimulating parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. Now, as human beings, you know, what eons ago, right, the first humans, fight or flight was a really useful tool, right? Because you're gonna get eaten by this saber-toothed tiger or whatever it is. You're gonna be in danger, you need to either fight or flight. Some people freeze, not good. Fight or flight, well, that's great, but now in today's society, we don't have the same physical risk. Now, if you're in a car accident, you definitely are going to go into you know, fight or flight, and that's totally, you need to do that, right, to survive. But the same thing happens when we get a, an email we don't like, or someone makes a comment, or there's a deadline, or something in, in our work environment where we get this all wound up, and we start to get into this stress mode, a lot of stress in our society, even grade school kids now, a lot of stress. And so what happens is, our brain does not recognize whether it's a physical threat or non-physical threat. It's just a threat. So you go right into fight or flight, stress mode, and our body, when it does that, certain things happen physically in your body that your hormones change, cortisol increases, um, heart rate increases, uh, blood flow changes in your body. All these things are happening to protect you. Your body's very efficient. When we, but if we step back for a moment, I've got this deadline, I've got this issue with a client or customer, whatever it might be that's bothering you, causing stress. Take a step back and breathe into that discomfort, that feeling. Focus on the breathing, as I mentioned, in through the nose slowly and gently and out through your mouth slowly, a little bit slower. That can really kind of settle you down, bring you back to the present moment, right? Bring you into a present state that calms your brain activity down. And it takes practice. It's not going to happen overnight. Many people, their brains are just constantly going. People have trouble sleeping at night because their brain's constantly working. So it's it's like building a muscle, right? It's like building a muscle to take a few minutes to really focus on your breathing, to center yourself and ground yourself so that you can make better decisions. Yeah, the military teaches that, combat breathing. Exactly, exactly. And so it's really about settling yourself down so you're not panicked. A lot of talk about panic in today's society. Mm-hmm. Really want to settle yourself down and be more calm, more, more, um, more centered and grounded so you can make better decisions, respond better you know, to situations. Sometimes we, we're in a conversation and, and we, anxiety builds up or anger builds up or some emotions building up. And then we blurt out something we didn't mean to say or didn't want right. to say. For example, I used to somebody get an email and I'd read it one way and I'd be really pissed, right? And the smart me would say, I'm not gonna respond to that right now. And I'd go back to it later or the next day and I would read it and it was totally a different message when I read it. That's why email is such a poor way to communicate because it's always misread. It's misread, right? And so I said, oh, that's what they really meant. So I didn't have to take, I interpreted something I'd read the day before, you know, earlier. When I stepped back and took a step back from it and then came back to it, I actually read the message so I could respond in a more thoughtful way and not just blurt something out that was going to cause more problems than not. I think that's great advice for everybody listening. 
Uh, I, I, I can't tell you how many emails I wish I should have waited <laughs> on instead of hitting send. Well, you shared an exercise when we were at the Small Business Matters Conference. Now, we have a lot of people driving right now, right. so uh, I want to start this with pull over first before you do this, but do you mind sharing with the Scaling Up Nation what that exercise is? So, um, yeah, if, you, if you're driving, you know, please pull off to the side somewhere safely. This only takes a few minutes, not even, maybe even five minutes. So as you're sitting in your chair or your seat, wherever you might be, Make sure your, your back is erect and spine is straight. If you can, place your hands on your knees, your palms facing up. And I want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to focus on your breath. I want you to breathe in gently through your nose. Slowly exhale through your mouth. Breathe in gently. Exhale slowly, a little bit longer than the inhale. Breathe in. Exhale, slowly. Continue at your own pace, inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your mouth. And as you continue to breathe, feel your body. Notice what you feel in your body. Do you feel some tension? Do you feel, some, do you feel tired? Do you feel energized? Do you feel some pain? Just notice, do you feel some heat? Just notice what you're feeling in your body. Connect with that feeling. Don't avoid that feeling. Actually, just breathe into that feeling. And just be with, sit with that. Just sit with that for a few moments. Feel everything in your body. And as you go through that process of feeling your body, and you become comfortable, relaxed, I'll add one thing. Focus on what's the one goal you'd like to achieve this year. What's the one thing be a breakthrough goal, that if you achieve this goal, everything would change in your life. And what if 2020 was the year that everything changed for you and your family for the best? Focus on that. Breathe into that. Begin to visualize and see that goal. See it, achieving that goal. See yourself achieving that goal. What's happening around you? What are you experiencing when you achieve that goal? What are the feelings associated with achieving that goal? And just continue to breathe into that that experience. And when you're ready, you can slowly open your eyes and breathe in deeply and exhale. Breathe in deeply, exhale, breathe in and exhale. So if you have a moment, write down what that goal is. Write that down. Write down the words, the feeling words of what you experience when you've connected with that goal. And Every day, when you do your five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the afternoon or evening, five-minute shift, I call it, and I have a free gift for your listeners, too, that they can get that gift very easily. It's a little PDF that kind of guides them. It's also based on a section of my book, The Five-Minute Mastery. In the morning and the evening, write an affirmation for yourself on what that achieving that goal looks like. And just simply, when you write it, just say, I am so happy and grateful that I now am whatever that goal is. And so it's in the present tense, as if you've achieved it today. And, re and recite that to yourself in the morning and the evening when you do this, this centering breathing technique and, and just see what happens. See what kind of things happen in your, in your life. See what changes. Well, as I said earlier, I did this as you were having the audience do it when I was getting ready to follow such a, an expert presentation. So I was a little nervous and that truly centered me. And I remember, I have a friend that's an attorney and he told me that if you were ever getting questioned in a court of law, to always put palms up. So there's gotta be something to that. What is there it? Is that, so it's okay, Chinese medicine or acupressure points, right? Western medicine doesn't really fully embrace acupressure, but I think it's very useful and it's very valuable and it's valid. So there are acupressure points in your body, okay? And there are certain pressure points. So there's acupressure points in the center of your palms. And when you turn your palms up, like if you go to church and you pray, sometimes you raise your palms up, right? So you're opening up the, the energy channels, if you will. You're opening yourself. You're opening your body to receiving uh, good energy, basically, is what you're doing. Well, I, I want to say that he said it's impossible to think 
in a negative mindset with your palms up. And that's why he advised you do that if you were in that situation. Well, think about it. If your palms are down, palms are on your knees and you're clenching your knees or your arms are crossed, you are blocking yourself. So your body and brain are very much connected. And so by those physical things, your body register and your brain registers as, okay, withhold, con you know, control, withhold, hold back. When you open your palms, you become vulnerable. I totally believe in the power of vulnerability. I think a lot of people have a negative connotation when they hear the word, word be, you know, being vulnerable. What it really is is a place from strength. So think about this. You're in junior high. I was in junior high. They had a dance in junior high. All the girls on one side, all the boys on the other side. It takes great courage to walk across that gymnasium floor to go talk to the girl you choose. Absolutely, it right? does. To ask that girl to dance. Most people don't get that far. That's right, they don't do it. They hold back, right? That's being totally vulnerable, totally vulnerable. I like to share, Brene Brown has a TEDx talk she did in 2010. It's on YouTube, The Power of Vulnerability. It's about 20 minutes. I encourage all your listeners to find that and on YouTube, Brene Brown. From a place of being vulnerable actually takes great courage because you're accepting the, the chance, the, the chance that you're not going to be successful, but that's a possible outcome. So I was in junior, I was in high school actually, and with my football buddies in high school, and there's all these upper you know, girls, and there's a, this one girl, I forget her name, I can't remember her name, but I can see her so clearly right now. And she was an up, she was like a senior, and I was like a sophomore, right? And I said, I want to dance with her. And so I walked across the gymnasium floor and I asked her to dance. And you know what she said? Yes. <laughs> there, you, there you go. You put it out there. She so said my, yes. <laughs> and we danced. And all my friends were like so blown away, right? But sometimes she could have said no, right? It's very possible. So it's being vulnerable to that possibility of being turned down, right? I think as human beings, we all want, you know, we're tribal people, really. We want to belong, right? That's how we survived early on as a human race. So we want to belong. We don't want to be shunned. We don't want to be disregarded. We want to be accepted, right? And so, so that opportunity for someone to say no to you sometimes can hold us back. And uh, I've learned from one of my, my coaches is that, you know, no just means there's an, a yes coming. Right. Then one more step to a yes. Right. When you're cold calling, you have to yeah. think, okay, it's oh, one more, one oh more until yes. And I hate picking up the phone, right? But sometimes <laughs> I have to I send out emails and I'm inviting people to events and I'm picking up the phone. I just got to believe that they're gonna say yes, and if not, that's okay. Right. Just next. Yeah, somebody shared with me one time that it's not your responsibility to answer for the person. And that's normally why we don't ask the question right. is because we're worried that they're gonna say no. <laughs> well, that's not in our control, but what is in our control is we can ask the question. Don't be scared to ask big, because right. they might answer big. Yeah, I, I, like, I wrote a meme, and I post a lot of information on LinkedIn, and I share a lot of content, and one of my little memes that I've created is, Think big, think big. Um, you're right, it's don't, we project ourselves into the conversation. Just get to the point where you just ask, just ask. Jack Canfield likes to say, uh, be an asshole. <laughs> there, I love it. All right, just ask and ask and ask and ask until you get to a yes. Yeah, and I do have a clean lyrics rating, so if you have any doubt of that, re-listen to that again. He said exactly yeah, what A-S-K hole, right? <laughs> So, uh, so much we talked about during today's podcast. And thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. But I know there's some listeners out there that are thinking, all this sounds great. Where do I start? What advice do you have for them? Well, my advice is, number one, go, go to my website. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's so, one place to go. All right, so, so what is that? Yeah, johnjfenton.com. Okay. Real easy. Um, also, you can, I have, you can get my free downloadable uh, gift. Uh, the five minute shift, and it's www.bit.ly. So bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash the five minute shift, the number five, the five minute shift, all one word. Get a free download. It'll ask you for your name and email, and you'll get that free PDF immediately um, and, uh, and begin changing your life. So just you know, take that five minutes. Steal, my, my final call to action is steal five minutes. Steal five minutes, take five minutes to reflect on what, you, what matters most to you and what, uh, what you appreciate most in your life. And if people are thinking they don't have five minutes, I'm sure you would say... Well, I would say this. In the matter of a moment, as, as fast as I can snap my fingers, everything can change. So 
invest five minutes in yourself. You're worth it. There you go. There you go. Well, I've got a few more questions okay. for you if you can hang around sure, just a little sure. bit longer. So these are lightning round questions, questions that I ask of all of my guests. So uh, the point values are double in this round, so I'm just warning you. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Okay. All right. So uh, if you could go back to your first day as a business coach, what advice would you give yourself? To really believe, to really own my um, expertise and the value that I do bring to the table. That I really, that what I, what I share and what I bring to the table is really valuable and to own that. What are the last few books that you've read? Oh, let's see. Um, well, I've read The Success Principles. I keep reading that over and over, so I read that a lot. Um, I mean, I've read some different books. I, I'm in a men's book club, actually. So okay. I read The uh, Empire of the Summer Moon, which is about the native the Comanches in Texas and the West. I love the Western culture. Really a great book. Um, actually a, a nominee for um, the uh, Pulitzer Prize. Came out a few years ago. Um, I'm reading Tony Robbins' book, uh, The uh, Giant Within, I believe it is. Just started reading that. And I'm always, I'm constantly reading. I mean, I, I read probably two and three books at a time. Right now, I'm reading a Bernard, Bernard Cromwell novel, okay. which is, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he writes about um, England at the time of, before the, before the first millennium. So, right, like the year, like eight, 800s and 900s, like the 8th and ninth century time frame about the, um, the Saxons. Saxon England and the Vikings. Uh, and there's actually a series on Netflix called um, The Last Kingdom. Okay. It's based on his books. And he's written a whole series of books. And so I, I finally picked up one of his books. Of, uh, believe it or not, I was on a Barnes & Noble recently uh, and picked up one of his books and started reading that because I love that period of time, such a pivotal time in the, in the history of England. So I'm so impressed with people that can read multiple books at the same time <laughs> and keep them straight. I am not one of those people. Oh, here's another good one. Go Like Hell. It's the book that the movie um, Ford versus Ferrari was based on. Oh, okay. So it's about, you know, Ford and, and uh, Henry Ford II and uh, Carol Shelby. I have a picture of Carol Shelby. I have a Mustang. I love Mustangs. Carol yeah, it's beautiful. It's in the parking lot. Carol Shelby is an autographed picture. Carol Shelby and Steve McQueen with one of the Shelby Cobras before it was a Ford Cobra. Really awesome. And so I just let the whole experience, that whole the book gives all the background, what was going on at that time in the 60s with car racing and car production and all that stuff. So it's pretty cool. I think that movie just released out to uh, DVD, didn't it? Probably did. Yeah. Probably because it yeah. just came out like a few months ago. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, there's no doubt about it. Hollywood's going to find out about you. <laughs> They're going to make a movie about John Finn. <laughs> Maybe the next book, they might, they might make a book. Might make, might make a movie of the next <laughs> book, maybe. So, so when they do that, who plays John? Oh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. <laughs> you know why? why? This is so funny. We, my wife and I went to Ireland a couple of years ago. It was a great trip. We were there about 10 days. We're, in, we're coming back, and we're, and we're still in Ireland. So we're at the airport, and one of the uh, gate agents there, this older gentleman, he says, this Irish brogue, he says, oh, you look just like Harrison Ford. And I get that a lot. And a matter of fact, the cab driver I recently. I can see that, yeah. I'm really a cab driver. I saw My wife will say, no, you don't. But a cab driver recently was talking to me. We were going to the airport, and uh, and he said, "Oh, you look like a famous actor." I said, "Let me guess. Tell me who you think it is." He goes, "Harrison Ford." So I need to put a website up. Not Harrison Ford, basically, but I think Harrison Ford's really cool, and I loved all his characters he's played over the years. So that would be Harrison. Ford. That's a great one. People tell me I sound like Tom Hanks, which I don't hear, and my wife is very quick to say, "No, he's good. He doesn't sound like that." <laughs> so that Tom Hanks is good. Right, that, right, that, right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, my last question is you now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history, who to be with and why. There's two people that come to mind. One would be Abraham Lincoln and then Winston Churchill because they were such pivotal leaders in a period of such a time of great distress in the world, right? And to make the decisions they made and how they got to the conclusions they, they did and the things they had to overcome to achieve what they achieved in their life. And just to understand, you know, their perspective. Um, you know, certainly Abraham Lincoln, you know, committed a lot of young lives to try to keep this nation together. And it's had to be really hard decisions. And then Winston Churchill, I mean, he, I think literally his famous speech helped to bring America into the war and change the tide of the war in World War II. It really did. And, and you know, Britain, a little island 
that stood up against Nazi Germany was such a pivotal point, all because he believed in the ability of the British people to overcome. And so that mindset, right? He could have caved and he didn't, right? Abraham Lincoln could have caved and not stood up against slavery and that sort of thing. And so to, to meet with those people and to understand where their, where their mindset was and wh- how they got to their, their conclusions and their decisions they made would be, I think, really cool to understand them. So, Well, and that was today's talk. It was all about <laughs> that's mindset. Right, that's right. So thank you so much for, for coming on. You shared a lot of information with us. I'm going to make sure that I have the links that you mentioned right. on our show notes page. But uh, I, I know a lot of people are going to be pulling off after they listen to this and trying that exercise. And, and, and folks, I don't know if you think if that sounds weird or not, but I am here to tell you that 100% that really helped me focus. And uh, it allowed me to, I feel I did a good job during, during did that great uh, job, presentation. Yeah. But uh, You're welcome. If, yeah, it, it was all you. It was all you. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't have had the mindset and the presence to connect with the audience. So it really does work. And thanks for sharing everything that you did with us. Thank you, Trace. Pleasure to be here in the lab. Scaling Up Nation, John is still on me to try Tai Chi. And I have to tell you, it's on my list, but I still haven't done that yet. Maybe I'm going to get to the vision boards and then I'll do Tai Chi afterwards. Uh, By the way, both of those people I met at Tim Fulton's conference. So let me segue to that. When was the last time you went to a conference and you tried to make the most out of it? Now, I'm going to give you effort that it's hard to do a Zoom conference, which is how most of our conferences are with our COVID pandemic. But even with that, when do you try to reach out to speakers, to people that you met at a conference? When do you connect your social media? All that sort of stuff. These are the things that I really force myself to do because I never know what that other individual has in their mind that can help me out and vice versa. Maybe there's something that I'm carrying around that they are searching for. So I try to make that a mission to every conference that I go to. How can I help? How can I be helped? And again, lots of people that you heard from, at least two from the podcast Uh, Actually, I take that back. There have been three. There was Alicia Butler-Pierre that came on and talked to us about standard operating procedures. That was episode 131. Then, of course, we had Trisha Malloy that I just mentioned. That was episode 156, where she was talking about her CRAVE acronym and some things that we could do to help ourselves. And today, of course, we had John Fenton. And just a fun group of people to talk to. Uh, John, I really appreciate uh, all the ideas that you gave us. By the way, all the tools that you mentioned are on our show notes page. So you can download everything that John mentioned from the show notes page. And you can even get to his website from there as well. So all that to say is I just urge you to make the most out of everywhere that you go because you just don't know what that person's going to be able to help you with or vice versa. Speaking of helping, I always need help with the Scaling Up H2O podcast. As you know, I love to do Pinks and Blues episodes. Those are all inspired by the listeners What do the listeners want me to talk about? What issues are they having? Who have they found that they want me to interview? All of that stuff. I would love for you to go to scalinguph2o.com, go to our show ideas page, and send me a quick note that way. Or if you have a question, go to the send voicemail button on the right side of the homepage. And if you click on that, a dialogue box will come up. You click on that and you can record right from your microphone, you asking me your very question. I love doing those shows, so please make sure I have plenty of information so I can get those shows to you. 
And speaking of new shows, of course, as every Friday, next Friday, you will have a brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O. So I hope you have a safe week in the meantime, and I will talk with you next week. Scaling Up Nation, I know you are wondering about some of the benefits of joining the Rising Tide Mastermind. Well, here is Reed Hutchinson of HOH to talk about what he gets out of being a member of the group. Relationships, especially professionally, uh, go to another level when you have a safe group of people that you can trust with your actual issues. And when you can help others out and also receive help, uh, I just think it really creates a, a deep bond. And so. So new relationships, definitely a key benefit. Another benefit of being in the Rising Tide Mastermind uh, is getting ideas and insights from others across the country and different types of roles or companies. There's a lot you can learn from reading, but there's something that happens when another person knows what you're dealing with and can share from their actual experiences. So lots of ideas and insights. Reed, thanks for sharing that. There's so many people out there in the Scaling Up Nation that just don't know what a mastermind group is and what the benefit of being a member of a group like that is. So you sharing that allows people to get a little insight of what it's like to be a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. If you want to learn more about becoming a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.